0: Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks.
1: Welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. First time, long time. Judah Newby, Brian Perkins, 64 130. Seahawks preseason style. As we look back to a a 1917, really a heartbreaking defeat on a lot of levels. It's going to take me a while to get over this one. Uh, But the Seahawks, of course, playing the Colts in the first game of the preseason. We're going to just run through 10 takeaways, a real quick podcast of early impressions of of the Seahawks team. Really, we're not drawing any conclusions here, Perkins. We're just looking for things uh, that, that caught our eye in the first game of the preseason. I'll go ahead and go first with uh seattle and indianapolis and the first being for me russell wilson and going four for five in his opening drive finishing with 43 yards and a touchdown pass to nick Vanette. but in particular about russell is his arm strength it seems just and maybe it's just been a while since i've seen him play football <laughs> but he had some incredible zip on his throws in this game including we were just talking off the mic a third and 16 that uh ended up being a third a 15 yard gain and they ended up converting on a fourth and one moments later but it seems like he has a ton of zip on his balls and that he is just muscled up in the offseason even the touchdown throw to nick vanette had something extra on it too russell wilson's arm strength to me keeps increasing as his career increases, which should come as a surprise to no one.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and that's a really good takeaway. And mine, I'm going to kind of uh, stick on the offensive side, Judah, for one of my takeaways, which is tight end position had a lot of questions, right, going into the season. And you can't take – I think the biggest thing that we all have to remember is one quarter of starters in preseason game, and for some of these guys, one series is not enough to really overreact to anything. But it is enough to overreact, (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough to properly react. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Nick Vanette, you know, a guy that they drafted high three years ago um, and has never really seen the field due to marijuana problems. Yeah. They drafted him while he was, he was high. Yeah. 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 He took a bong hit as yeah. he was drafted. So that Amazing. Was a Come on, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. As we get sued for libel. So anyway, um, <laughs> he but, – but, you know, he didn't get to see a lot of a lot of the field, and there was a lot of question marks about the tight end position, and they obviously bring in Dixon yep. this offseason. But Vanette has a couple catches, has a touchdown in this game. So that was encouraging to, th- to see, I think, because Dixon is not really known as a pass-catching tight end. So where is Seattle going to go in that direction? And it felt like they utilized him quite a bit in that uh, first quarter.
1: They did. My takeaway number three, if yours was two, mine's three here, is just the overall rush attack for the Seahawks in this game. Um, Chris Carson with four carries for 26 yards. You forget that he is probably the number one back still in this lineup without, you know, consideration of the first rounder, Rashad Penny. Now, Penny ultimately leads the team in carries, eight carries for only 16 yards. He did have a nice bounce to the outside run uh, in this game, and he also had a good pass protection pickup on Russell's touchdown pass on the first drive as well. But overall, I was interested to see what kind of rush attack Seattle would have uh, under the Brian Schottenheimer-Mike Solari scheme, particularly the offensive line under Solari. You can't really draw any conclusions, but ultimately 22 carries for 87 yards as a team. And it wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. And they converted a couple times in short yardage, which, uh, especially on that fourth and one, fourth and one and a half on that first drive, felt like even though it was game one of the preseason, we had to have that one. It really did, right? I mean, yeah. it's your first season under a new scheme, and it's yeah. supposed to embolden your rush attack. If you don't convert that fourth and one in short yardage on the first drive of your preseason, just from an emotional standpoint, it would be kind of a letdown. But it, I guess I, I'm I'm slightly encouraged. It was at least just good to watch. How about
0: uh, How about the rookies? In this game, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the shining uh, the the shining stars in this game were rookies, which is good to see. Right. Because I think that there were a lot of people, including myself, uh, you know, questioning the front office's ability to, uh, you know, continue to make quality draft picks. Because over the last several years, uh, you haven't seen that production you're looking for from a lot of these guys. But, you know, you mentioned uh, obviously Penny, who, while his rushing numbers averaging two yards a carry doesn't look great. I mean, the first rush that he had in his career was like what, a no gain or a loss of a yard because there was nothing there for him. He had three missed tackles in that game. Uh, You look at Green defensively, who everyone was talking about. Disley as well, uh, catching the football. I think that there were were some really shining moments from some of those rookies. And you know what? If they want to be competitive this year, they're going to have to have some of those rookies step up big time because – As you saw, completely new look in a lot of different positions for Seattle. So that was encouraging to see.
1: There, for me, my uh, third takeaway is one of those rookies, Michael Dixon, the punter. I mean, he unleashed a beauty of a punt in the fourth quarter of this game with a 59-yarder. While standing at his own seven-yard line, he kicked it all the way back deep into Colts territory. You know, if you draft a punter in the fifth round, ultimately you're expecting him to make the team and be your starting punter moving forward. It's going to be a conflict with John Ryan, obviously, still there and still punting for this team as a starting punter in the preseason. But Michael Dixon makes a big impression, too.
0: Yeah, it's funny because Ryan actually had a pretty good punt out of his own end zone. Mm-hmm. It was about, like, what, 49 or 50 yards or 53 yards or something like that. But, yeah, Dixon definitely is making a case, right, to say the least. I don't think Ryan's going to go quietly into that night, though. What's, your,
1: what's your third takeaway? How about
0: we'll stay with the kicking game. How about the fact that uh, old balls Janikowski
1: out there, amazing, <laughs> kicking extra points for Seattle. Amazing. And, and he I made both of them.
0: them yeah. you know? So I know that isn't much of a takeaway, but man, the kicking game had such an impact last season that it felt like they really needed to see a marked improvement there. And can Janikowski be that guy? His career says yes. His age says maybe. But I think you have to be encouraged uh, just to see a, a fresh face out there that hopefully can have an impact.
1: Jaron Brown, for me, fourth takeaway, uh, you know, you, you're you going to look for pass catchers to make an impact this year, particularly with the uh, departure of Paul Richardson to Washington. It's going to look a little different, and Brown with limited playing time with one catch for nine yards, but he made the catch, he made a nice stiff arm on the play as well. Hopefully that Wilson-Jaron-Brown connection to can be something of substance, and, and ultimately Brown, you know, a good year for him would be if he results in being a value signing for the Seahawks at the receiver position. Yeah, that's a
0: good takeaway as well. For me, uh, last takeaway, I tried not to be negative, and I'm not going to go completely down that road, but I think that the last takeaway is we need to really keep an eye on this defense just because it looks so different than it has in year pa- years past. They didn't look bad necessarily, but it was very strange. Jude, I don't know about for you, but for me, the start of that football game defensively for Seattle, no Cam Chancellor, no Richard Sherman, no Earl Thomas in that defensive backfield, and that was surreal to see a complete changing of the guard defensively. So uh, I think that that is just going to be a storyline to keep an eye on, obviously, and seeing it in action for the first time. We all knew it was going to happen, but seeing that in action was kind of, even on the front line, right? I mean, you, you know, no more Averill, no more Bennett. It's just a lot of new faces out there. So I think the, that uh, keeping an eye on that is going to be something to look at moving forward.
1: Yeah, my final takeaway is, on that note, Shaquem Griffin, the one-handed fifth-round pick, linebacker, leads the team in tackles in this game with nine tackles, tackles on each of his first four snaps of action. Now, that's just good to see because, you know, I don't believe he missed any tackles in this game either, um, which ultimately is going to be a stat that we'll have to follow. How many tackles does he have is one thing. But as a raw stat, that can be hard to take away just because what if that means they're just targeting him in coverage, Yeah, right? Yeah, um, Like they did a couple of times in this game. But that being said, I mean, the dude can play football, and that's exciting to see. And he had a tackle for loss in there, too, plugging up a run play up the middle. So front, And playing middle linebacker behind yeah. Bobby Wagner, which it was just amazing to see. The dude has one hand, and he's kicking butt. I mean, he has more talent with one
0: hand than I do with two, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible watching him out there, for sure. So... I think uh, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of new faces on the defense, but there's definitely some exciting elements like Griffin.
1: Raheem Green with a one and a half sacks, three sacks total for the Seahawks in this game. Bobby Wagner got one as well. I guess they, they called it a moderate gain for Andrew Luck, um, escaping the pocket on a third down play. Good to see Andrew Luck. It was good. I was happy to see him play football for the first time in what feels like forever. I agree. You know, went six of nine in the game, you know. And Indianapolis has Frank Reich now, um, as their head coach and, and offensive coordinator. They did a lot of nice stuff on their first couple of drives as well. Which ultimately for the defense, and I think we'll flesh this out as the season moves forward, given the amount of names that are gone from that Seattle defense. Yeah. I was just watching that game and being like, Man, I think this is gonna be one of those years where Seattle, it's not going to be a smothering defense anymore. No. Might not be a top five defense, maybe a top ten, maybe maybe top half of the league. That's, it, I think that's it what might you're be, hoping for this it year. It might be a bend don't break defense. It might be a that's defense. That's what it seemed like in that game. That's what that's what it seemed like. And Indianapolis had a couple of third down conversions, isolating their running backs against linebackers and just speed. Right. I mean. uh, was it Marv, Marvin Mack was, got on a one-on-one route against K.J. Wright and just ran around him, just outran out him. Yeah. Um, and that happened a couple more times later in the game as well. I think as you know, more and more offenses are going to those one-on-one sprint type of schemes, getting running backs on linebackers, I think teams are going to be able to move the ball on this Seattle defense. I do. But I think there's a chance Seattle when they find success defensively, hopefully it comes in the takeaways department and in the red zone defense department. Yeah. Because between the 20s, I think uh, they're going to be vulnerable this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I would would agree with that. And I think that it's obviously something, I mean, for sure to keep an eye on with this team. But also in preseason, they're going to have some opportunities. I mean, it's kind of trial by fire a little bit. And thank goodness it's preseason. But you had Andrew Luck this week, who's coming off the injury, so it's a little different, right? He hasn't played football in 600 days. But still... It's Andrew Luck. Then you have Phillip Rivers, right, coming up. Then you have uh, um, Carr. You have Derek Carr. So, I mean, you're going to have some formidable quarterbacks here in the preseason and a chance to, to kind of learn and, and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes against some pretty good guys. So I think that that's actually a positive that Seattle is facing some of your, you know, your top ten quarterbacks in the NFL in preseason.
1: Coming up, Seattle, as you mentioned, they do go to the Chargers next Saturday. They go to the Vikings week three the following Friday to take on Kirk Cousins, which is another good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And uh, wrap up with the Raiders Thursday, August 30th before the season opener. Seattle starting with two games on the road in Denver, September 9th, at Chicago for a Monday night football game in week two and then come back home to host the Dallas Cowboys Week three of the season, it's coming up, man. But it's it's nice to be able to talk Seahawks football after one preseason. We're game.
0: gonna have to run down this
1: schedule, see see where
0: we think the Seahawks end up because a lot of people are asking me, you know, where where does Seattle end up? Do they make
1: the playoffs? Are they a playoff team? And well, one of the voices know, I respect the most is Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. Yeah, and I think in a tweet he said that Seattle could go four and twelve. Yeah. Which is ridiculously low to me. I'm actually. It's a tough schedule for them, though, I think a little bit too. Yeah, but last year we thought it'd be an easy schedule. Yeah. And they missed the playoffs. Like, (laughs) who the hell knows what the schedule's going to be like? That's my thing. Like, we all think that it's going to be harder. This team's quality fluctuates, you know, by the game. It's hard to diagnose what's going to be a hard or or easy schedule. It's hard to imagine that a Pete Carroll coached
0: football team with a Russell Wilson led offense is going to only win four games. I mean, that's hard for me to say. You have a franchise quarterback. If Russell Wilson is truly a top five quarterback in the NFL, how do you only win four games? He's not going 4 12. I, I have a hard time seeing that happening. They may not make the playoffs, and it may be, it's probably going to be a battle. A lot of, I mean, most games are going to be a battle. This is not going to be an easy season, but if yeah. they win less than seven games,
1: I would be really, really, really shocked. I think, I think I'm think i right there with you. I, I would hope for a 500. I mean, I can't see Russell Wilson going under 500. I can't either, but I'm just saying, you know,
0: with the Niners where they are, I mean, you just never know with, within the division what it's going to look like, right? right? So that's why it could be kind of tough for them maybe bouncing them down to seven. But once again, we don't... Seattle's an unknown. The Niners are an unknown. I mean, it's it's really
1: hard to tell at this point. And I, I think that you have to really have to reserve judgment. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Jude Anubi. That wraps up uh, our first episode of the year for the Game Plan Podcast. Follow us at Game Plan Pod. And uh, this is 1029thegame.com.